Welcome back to Elevate the Podcast, where we have candid conversations about life, agriculture, and rural entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Natalie. What do we want rural America essentially to look like? Is it going to be a collection of what we would all hope it would be, which is like ag business family owners, or is it going to be employees of larger ag companies, essentially? And And I'm Tara. I wanted like more tools, more information about this being rooted in your why and understanding what you have to offer and the gifts you have to offer the world. And welcome to episode number 20. Happy Thursday. Yes, I know. Happy Thursday. We have a good one today. I'm excited about this episode. I am too. I always get a little nervous talking about the news episodes because I'm like, oh gosh, I hope I don't overstep my footing of what I know to be fact in the news. But yeah, I'm excited to dive into it. I'm excited for our um, obsession, our weekly obsession. Yeah. And I um, just ate our recipe. So I'm not going to lie. I'm just like focused on that. And I know that's not till the end, but that's just where I'm I like mentally am I already at the end of this episode. So oh <laughs> it's a good one. So to get us kind of started today, I was going to read one of our testimonials. This one actually came from Canada. So the testimonial is from Kendall with Central Park Farms. I always appreciate learning from different perspectives in ag. Although I primarily sell direct-to-consumer meat and I am not monetizing my following in the same way these ladies are, I'm still finding value in their podcast. So thank you, Kendall. Yeah, thank you so much. That is by and large actually one of my favorite things too, is just seeing how, you know, diverse agriculture is um, in different areas, whether it's geography or just, you know, family tradition. So um, it's always fun to see other people enjoy that same thing too. Yeah. I'll second that. I just, the more of ag I see, the more I realize I don't know anything about ag. (laughs) Like there's just so much to know and there's just so many different areas like geographies, like you said, regions, like they just do, even if you're in dairy, like or in, I'm sure like it's probably the same with ranching or anything else. Like it's just so vastly different. So it's always interesting to hear how people are doing things, what they're thinking, what they're seeing. Uh, Also, Kendall, I love our international listeners. Thank you, Canada and other countries for listening. Okay. So I'll kick off with our ranch and family update. Our updates are going to collide a little bit this week, which is kind of fun because we spent a majority of our week and weekend together in Texas for Rural Rooted, which was obviously, it was bittersweet for me because it's very fulfilling as a coach and a leader to host those retreats. Um, They're a ton of fun. The community is just insane, which we can, you can kind of lend your opinion to as well. But it was my last one for 2022. And so as much as I was like loving the retreat, I think there was a little voice in the back of my head that was like, this is your last one. But it was such a fun group. So it was it was a lot of fun. I think what I'm always so surpri- – not surprised even at this point. What's always so amazing about Rural Rooted is that – and you say this a lot. Like the right women end up in the right room, like with the right group and like sharing with each other, bouncing ideas. Like just there's the most incredible connections that happen at Rural Rooted. Like that group of, you know, around 20 women just always ends up – like we can give so much as coaches, but it's amazing to see them like give and feedback to each other and share with each other and support each other. So it really was a really great week. I was sad it was coming to an end as well. It's been nice to like, I don't know, see you all get together, have that community building. Like, you know, I I went in June and July, so it's been like once a month this summer. And yeah, it felt a little like bittersweet that it was the last one. But it made me 
excited because next month we have our Elevate Mastermind in person coming up, which is definitely vastly different than Rural Rooted because it's a mastermind. But I it, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm glad I get to be like in a room with women doing powerful things again in a month. I know. And going back to what you said about how the coaches are there to pour into the women all weekend, but the women pour into each other. And I think that's something I really underplayed. Like when I was hosting my very first or second one, I didn't realize, like I felt like I put a lot of pressure on myself to lead it all. And I wasn't recognizing um, or prepared for how much just the, the women contribute to each other's journeys and knowledge and growing. So when you had mentioned that we have our mastermind next month, I was already fast forward thinking like, oh my goodness, who are going to be? Because it's a very small group. We really, you know, we wanted it to be very intimate because we really want it to be one-on-one driven for your business. So it's going to be amazing to see those relationships made because like you said, we've both seen the power of, you know, a room of 20 women together, forming relationships and growing together. And so I think when you niche that down even further and you spend, you know, some really intense time together, really deep diving, and you just have so much in common. I'm just really excited like you to see what comes out of, you know, the mastermind and the women that are attending it. Cause you're right. Women are a place where they're supposed to be. And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about it all. Yeah. So that's kind of our, our updates. Do you have anything ranch, uh, anything specific? No, I mean, honestly, we leave for that. Another coach comes down, Taryn, Faith Family Beef. Um, she's now Taryn Dreeling. So I never know if I should call her Taryn or Faith Family Beef. <laughs> um, but she comes down on Tuesday because she flies out with me on Wednesday. So and then we're gone all the way until late on Saturday night. And so yeah, I feel like my whole week, I know I'm not gone for the whole week of Real Rooted, but that's literally my update. I just don't have anything more because that's really and I feel like even the time leading up to Real Rooted, Um, I'm just so focused on that and like prepping for it anyway, that when, you know, when we have one of those retreats, it's just kind of monopolized it by my time, but that's okay. I have, I came home to, um, if you follow my stories, you probably already saw this, but I came home to more progress on the solar panels for the dairy. So yeah, yeah, like there, it like looks like solar. I I mean, it's definitely starting to like take shape and take form. That's so exciting. Yeah, so that's all that's all I have. That was the only change that happened while I was gone. I mean, it was a big change. I shouldn't like downplay it. There was there's real construction going on, but um that was mine. Who puts those up? Is it the like the company that's owned by or is it like a third party or They like contract out work. Uh so yeah, I guess it would be like a third party. I need to get gotcha. like more details. My brother-in-law has spearheaded this and I was telling Dan, I need to sit him down for like an interview. Maybe I can get him to do like a live or something where he goes into a lot of detail because he's put a lot of time and energy into it and he could give a lot more specifics than I could. So I need to, I need to do that. You should. Cause I think a lot of people would be really extremely interested in that. Yeah. Especially the whole, like we got a grant that will help us like pay it off quicker. It's like a quicker return now. Um, I think it was originally five years and now it's a three-year payoff. And so I need to get into all of those. Like I want to collect all that and be able to give people that information of like what grant we applied for, how it went, how it was set up so that other people can hopefully do the same. So stay tuned for another weekly update so that when we have more information (laughs) on that. (laughs) So with that, I guess we'll move into our weekly obsession. It's my turn this week. Are you ready for it? I am ready so, for it. You played like a little part in this. Actually, when I got home Ooh. from Rural Rooted, I had a little surprise in the mail from you. I'm, I don't I'm holding it up on video as if people can see. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it though. So now I know what the weekly obsession is. <laughs> um, Natalie sent me Find Your Why. It's a book uh, by Simon Sinek. If you've ever watched his TED Talk, it's like the third most watched TED Talk in the world. So I'm sure lots of people have. He has a couple books. One of them is Start With Why and then... Another one is find your why. 
So my weekly obsession is actually both of them. I'm going to read start with why first, and then I'm going to go into find your why. Find your why is actually like um, it says on here, a practical guide. Like it's more guides you through you know, working through your why. So I'm excited to read the start with why and then like work through my why. I feel pretty rooted in my why, but like leading up to the summit mastermind, I just, I wanted like more tools, more information about this, you know, being rooted in your why and understanding what you have to offer and the gifts you have to offer the world. So backstory on this, um, for anyone who's listening, who's ever attended a rural rooted, this is actually a component of the retreat is some pretty heavy why work. It just plays a pretty, and it's even involved actually in our elevate the online course. We do have like a lesson within our first module to kind of help you just lay the foundation for your business or your brand. And so Simon Sinek, I think I was first introduced to him through just the YouTube. I have actually not read either start with why or find your why, but I have obviously a pretty strong understanding through the YouTube video and then just through what we teach at our retreats. But as I mentioned earlier in like our intros, when we were talking about our updates, kind of leading up to retreats, I just don't, you know, none, neither me nor none of the coaches go into, you know, these learning environments cold. We really kind of are like either restudying the workbook or reading other material to bring to it just so that we're kind of, you know, like in that teaching and learning mode. And I had been, I think I was maybe actually talking with Taryn again. And I had just been wanting to, uh, one of the, why I sent this to you is really because I had wanted to do, you and I have the docuseries coming up and I had wanted to do the why work. I have always done why work for every other business. Like I feel like I'm really grounded in my why work for my brand, like sharing online. And I feel like you and I are pretty grounded in our why for the Elevate, you know, the online course, but neither of us have done any why work for the docu-series. And so that's why I sent that to you, a surprise to you, uh, which is like totally a Natalie gift. Like, here you go. Here's homework. <laughs> um, <laughs> report back. Action items from Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> but I just wanted you and I to do that together. So I'm I'm honored that you even, you know, chose that as your weekly obsession because I'm I'm so excited to actually dive through. You're right. The, the way I understood it, the start with why is kind of just a read on like the I don't know the philosophy or the work, but the find your why is an actual workbook that like guides you through how to do it. So if anyone um, is interested, those are the differences between the two and we'll link them in the show notes, but I'm so excited to like go through it with you for the docu-series. Yeah. So spoiler alert, we actually have an episode on the podcast coming up where we're going to talk, we're going to dive deeper into the why so that and I feel like reading these also plays into that. But I am excited to do it for the docuseries. I actually feel like I know in my heart what our why is and feel really rooted. But I think it is so helpful to like write it out and work through it, manifest it out loud, like say it, write it down, like get it solidified. And since there's two of us, I also think it's going to be helpful to just be on the same page of like making sure we both understand our why so that when something comes up, we're like, okay, I know why they're coming from where they're coming from. Um, so yeah, so that's what I'm looking forward to. Today, I had no power at my house. So I had no internet, no computer, like nothing. And for some reason, I didn't have great cell service either. So I spent a good portion of today reading it. So I'm not all the way through with start your start with why, but so far it's been really, really great. So, and we promise we won't always pick books for our weekly obsession. <laughs> so if you are concerned that last week was the five minute journal and this week is the start or find your why book, fret not. There will be lots of fun things. It will not just be books. We we are a li- we have a little more depth to us than that. Yeah, like we'll get back to cupcakes like the first yeah. episode. <laughs> no, yeah, don't worry. <laughs> 
that took a sharp turn. It went like from cupcakes <laughs> to learning and that's it. It's like there's two sides of us, sweets and learning. I mean, I, I hate to say that might be a fair assessment, <laughs> but we'll try to branch out, you guys. <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Time for some industry news. I'm like, I kind of feel like you're feeling about this that um, there we covered so far, we've covered some big topics and this one's no different. So I am excited and I want to hear back from our audience of what they think about this topic, especially. So if you listen to this, have feedback, please DM us, tag us in stories. I want to know other people's thoughts on this. So uh, our industry news today is really about Bill Gates and China, the country, the greater country, obviously the country and industry, like companies within China, buying large amounts of farmland. What brought this up into the news is actually that a Chinese food manufacturer bought 300 acres of land near Grand Forks, North Dakota to set up a plant. And the reason that this really like sparked a lot of interest, this happened at the beginning of July or end of June, but it was in the news beginning of July, is that it is less than 20 minutes away from an Air Force base. And it has raised a lot of national security concerns. And at the same time, I feel like it just brought up more and more conversations about Bill Gates and how much farmland he was buying. And there's just concerns. I think the concerns are like multi-level. And I know like China and Bill Gates are very different concerns, but I mean, they kind of correlate. So with China, people are really concerned about, like I said, national security, um, about a lot of, you know, China controlling like food supply within the United States, especially being like a communist country. I read that repeatedly, just like concerns about what goals were there. Um, And then Bill Gates kind of similar that he obviously has interests in companies and projects that he's working on a lot within, you know, the food space and maybe alternative food space. So with buying all this land, like what does that mean for the future of our food supply? Yeah. And I think there was actually a ton of conspiracy out there about is Bill Gates and China, which I probably shouldn't even say because it's just adding to the rhetoric. But there was (laughs) that was more I think that's also what brought the news attention because that China purchase was actually not far from where Bill Gates purchased. And so I felt like everyone was just kind of running with, I don't know, this big story that now there is some conspiracy about, you know, whether they were actually linked. Yeah, I read that a lot too, but it was definitely, I felt like, like fringe conspiracy. Like I said, I don't think they're connected. They're connected in like the greater scheme of things, but yeah, not like, I don't think Bill Gates is like teaming up with them to buy (laughs) farmland. I sure hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But no, no, I don't think so either. One of the things that I found interesting when I was kind of researching for this was uh, Representative Newhouse. He's um, a Republican representative out of Washington. He actually is introducing a bill that's called the Prohibition of Agricultural Lands for the People's Republic of China Act. And I found that's really interesting because one of the things I hadn't actually thought about is that this would like limit the ability of not only like uh, the Chinese government, but also, like I said, companies industry within China from purchasing land. And it would also prohibit them from participating in any USDA programs, which I was like, I hadn't even thought about that, that like the, you know, cause they own farmland, like China could essentially apply for USDA grants and loans and like whatever through USDA. I mean, I don't know how like the approval process, obviously all of that, but it's just kind of an interesting idea of what it gives them access to. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's kind of what it really surprised me when I read through that bill. Yeah, I do actually think that this, the buying and selling in this manner will affect policy, which I think will be interesting to watch because I also know, or at least I read that that was another reason why this was kind of 
I don't know, I guess made the news, you know, this latest one, I feel like with Bill Gates, like, I feel like we've been reading about Bill Gates for a while. And then this North Dakota one was kind of just more of a spark. But it was because North Dakota was trying to, I think, you know, push against it because of a depression era law they have in the state that prohibits corporations and limited liability companies from owning farmland in that region. So I know they did try and fight it with that. Um, And ultimately, it was shown that I think because um, he leases it out to farmers that it was um, obviously legal. But I think it'll be interesting to see, will states rewrite policy to prevent things like this? Um, You know, will corporations be fighting policy so that they can do things like this? So I do think it'll be interesting to watch if policy will start changing or people be paying more, you know, closer attention to the policy writers. Yeah. And on the Bill Gates side of things, what I found was interesting was the idea that he owns so much farmland at this point. And he has been a pretty big supporter of like alternative meats or even Mm -hmm. like what, like, how do you, like, crickets and things, like, bugs. I what is, There's, like, a name for it. I don't know why I can't think of it. But anyway, so if he owns hundreds of thousands of acres of farmland that's gr- used to grow, like, corn or soybeans that feed cattle, and if he ultimately decided, like, I don't think cattle are good for the planet, so I'm not going to use my farmland, what's growing on my farmland, to be fed to cattle, he could, like, have an instant drastic drop in the amount of feed available in certain regions to cattle and have an impact on beef supply Um, or like at least the price of beef is kind of what I was reading. And so I thought that was like, I hadn't thought about that either, that just the ramifications of like, because you're in your company's invested in a certain type of product, how that plays out for other products. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree. I think the danger of having owners uh, like Bill Gates is that they, you know, they play a monopolistic role in determining or could possibly in determining, you know, our food system and land use patterns. A couple of things you said, because this was actually shocking to me, because we do hear so often, like how much land Bill Gates owns. And it's like, look, he's the largest landowner, it's all these numbers, and it seems so large. And it is, I think, across some of the different articles I was reading, it was somewhere between 270 and 280,000 acres across at least a dozen different states. But I read that that is still less than 1% of the nation's total farmland. And I thought that was interesting to kind of put that back in perspective, because I do think there's a little bit of fear when you just hear Bill Gates is like the largest landowner, and then you hear the amount, but then tying it back to the percentage of like, you know, the nation's total, I feel like helped put me back a little bit in perspective. So sometimes I feel like those titles just it's just media, right? Like feeding into the fear. Yeah, those clickbait titles, because I thought the same thing. When I saw it was less than 300,000, I'm not saying that's like a small amount, but I was also surprised at how little that was. And like you said, it's in multiple states. And I understand like the article I was reading was like, okay, but he owns a significant amount in like this state. So could he impact local supply in that state? And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. But it's still, I was, I'm glad you put that in perspective of the 1% because I, just the clickbait articles really get you and they get you fired up. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. They make you read the article, they make you share it on Facebook, and they don't make you look into it more than that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing it'll be interesting to see is if other, <laughs> I don't really even know what to call Bill Gates, like other billionaires or millionaires. Billionaires, like those, I think is yeah. the word you're looking for. <laughs> well, I don't know if you'd call them like investors. That doesn't feel right either, but will be kind of following suit or picking up what he's doing. I mean, because obviously there is, I feel like I read an article that tied back to, like he said that he originally did this because he 
you know, was instructed to by his investment team. And anyone who knows land assets and ownership, it, you know, investing into assets like that is is not a bad idea. But so when I was reading about it more, because Warren Buffett, he's actually from Omaha area, and he purchased farmland, I think it maybe was in the late 80s or early 90s in Nebraska, and it wasn't really a large number. But he has been repeatedly Uh, quoted as saying that farmland is like one of the top assets he would invest in. So it'll be interesting to see if other people start kind of following, again, these billionaires start following suit and what that could possibly do as well. Yeah. So one of the like maybe more fringe ideas, I don't want to say conspiracy theories because I don't think it's conspiracy. I think it's just, I I think it might be a long-term plan. Um, Granted, it, it, involves the water rights. I've worked in water rights. The company I worked for before New Mexico Milkmaid was heavily involved in water rights. That's primarily what we did. So obviously I probably go into it looking at water rights with land because I've spent like almost 10 years in that space. But I do think that with, especially in the West, which is where a lot of these people are buying land is you know, we're going to be more and more water scarce. Like California is not going to stop needing water. Um, and neither are, is Phoenix or, you know, the, all these big cities kind of out in the desert. And and as it gets hotter and drier in those areas, we're going to need more water rights. And so I just wonder if that's some of the goal is to ultimately be able to like mine water essentially and sell water uh, and what that will mean for like the water supply system. I mean, it makes it, t- it really makes a ton of sense. I mean, water rights are so expensive and cost a ton of money like water is going to continue to cost more and more and so I wonder how that'll play into it you know that meme that's going right now that's like little miss you're like little miss water rights you know know. so much about water you start getting on a water and I'm like tangent and I'm just like I just listen to you like I'm I know nothing about water rights compared to you that's what I think every time I'm like wow I know nothing about water What's hilarious is I knew the least in my company about water rights. Like literally if, if one of my dairy farmers like emailed me and was like, hey, I have a question about my water rights. I'd be like, yeah. and here is my coworker's email. Thank you for checking in with me today. Because it's just you have to do it every single day and be in it and all the permitting. Yeah. And so it would be really interesting to get like an actual expert in water rights and what their opinion is of it and like how much water rights are under these land. I mean, there's so much that goes into it. But Um, Something else that I thought was interesting, this is like a side note, but someone else that's a very large investor or like, yeah, I don't know what they're called either, but buys farmland as an investment is the Church of Latter-day Saints, which I thought Mm -hmm. was super interesting. Like, So it will, like you said, be interesting to see who continues to buy up farmland, like whether it's an entity or a person. I did know that because they have quite a few in Nebraska. They've been doing it for a really long time. It's built into their, obviously their model. I think for me, like to sum this up, it kind of goes back to what I originally said, which I think that the Gates purchase really points to like, we need to be paying attention to our policy. And so I hope that that's noted from this purchase is that, you know, our government um, or our representatives um, are paying attention to that and kind of just... Again, I feel like there's a balance between like protecting family farms and then obviously infringing on the rights of other people. But I don't know. I think it just comes down to me for like, what do we want, you know, rural America essentially to look like? Is it going to be a collection of what we would all hope it would be, which is like ag business family owners? Or is it going to be employees of larger ag companies, essentially? And, And I think that's kind of my viewpoint on this whole this whole topic. So one last one, my, I guess, final thought is one glimmer of hope um, or optimism that I saw was both Democratic and Republican lawmakers were in agreement. The ones that are on the Senate Intelligence Committee were both in agreement. They were opposed to the 
project in North Dakota where China bought land. So hopefully there maybe will be some um, bipartisan support for just making some laws that make sense and that do protect, like you said, that balance between, you know, opportunity for investment and obviously protecting like smaller family farms. So to see, you know, that people were agreeing in Congress, <laughs> that doesn't happen very often. I know. Um, <laughs> I feel like America. Everyone... Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Woohoo, finally, like I snaps know, snap. for Congress. <laughs> Oh my gosh, we both just said snaps for Congress. Okay, moving on. We cannot, we just ended. We just found our title for this episode. Yeah. Snaps, for, snaps Congress. for Congress. All right, we're moving okay. on to what I've been yep. waiting for the whole episode. Yes, do tell. Share with everyone our weekly recipe this week. So our weekly recipe comes from MP, Mary Pat Sass, and it is her smoked queso recipe. And I have to pull this up. You can tell. Why don't you tell about if people haven't listened to the book club that she was on the book club while I pull up the recipe? I was just going to say that. Sometimes I'm like, our minds are so in sync. It's beautiful. Yes. Yeah, so because that's what reminded me. I was going to say MP is actually um, our Tuesday interview this week for our first ever Elevate book club episode. So um, if you're unfamiliar with the kind of the structure of that at the beginning of the month, if you're on our book club email list, you get sent out an email with the book we are reading as a Elevate community, as well as the guest who picked it because Tara and I do not pick it. So the guest who picked it, and then you obviously will either maybe have it on hand or buy it or borrow it or rent it from the library. And then at the end of the month, we have that guest on for a podcast episode. And we kind of, I don't know, I guess we kind of break down the book just with all of our different thoughts. And it was just, a, we actually listened to the episode to approve it. And it was kind of fun to just, it's just a pretty casual conversation. It's like, you know, gathering with a bunch of women at a book club. So um, if you haven't listened to MP's episode on Tuesday, go back and listen to that. She picked a book by Ree Drummond, The Pioneer Woman. And yeah, it was lots of fun. We share some personal stuff about our, I don't know, I guess our dating life and, you know, marriage, like weddings and stuff, because the book is kind of about her and her husband's uh, love story as they met. So it was it was just a lot of fun. So back to the queso. It has <laughs> okay, New Mexico cheese dairy woman like back to the cheese. <laughs> this has cheese and green chili. I'm I'm done. I'm a pretty heavy queso judger actually. I feel like like I'm pretty critical, and this was really good. It has six different types of cheeses. Let me repeat: six different types of cheeses, and it has green chili. Okay, I'm feeling- Feeling a little overwhelmed with that. Like, am I gonna? I mean, MP comes from a cheese business, and you are Miss Cheese. So, are all of us normal people about cheese gonna be able to do this yes, recipe? It okay. is so good. So, I okay. did change. I changed. I think one thing. She used pork sausage, and I just have a beef full or a beef full, a freezer full of ground beef. So, I used ground beef, and I did cook my ground beef on the smoker. So between and then you cook the entire case on the smoker. So uh, mine was very smoky flavored, which was amazing. Like it was really like just had what you think of when you think of like smoked meat, smoked cheeses, that kind of thing. So I did see she shared this through a reel. I actually saw it in stories originally. And then she shared it through a reel and her TikTok account, which if you're not familiar with who 
MP is. She's Mary Pat Sass um, online. And it actually reminded me a little bit of a recipe we already do, which is like one of our favorite ones for like game to like Super Bowl. It is for sure a house. It's almost like on repeat during football season in our house. So, but we just do it in the crock pot. So I am super interested in upscaling. Luke loves, um, we have a smoker and he loves to use that anytime he can. So I actually think this is brilliant. I'm really excited to bring it over to the smoker. I did not try it today like you. So I'll let you kind of carry back into more specifics of the recipe. So I had made my dad's queso we make in the crock pot. And I will say like it was just notably different with that smoky flavor. Also, one of the great things, Hempy is like a genius with this. She used one of those like tin foil, like throwaway tin foil things to cook it. So it's like perfect for bringing to like a Super Bowl party. We have enough queso right now in our house to maybe like feed a small army because it's a big recipe and it's the four of us. So I do think I'm going to like uh, like Tupperware some of it and bring it to the lake this weekend to enjoy. But I the only thing I would change, but I, I didn't want to change it. I wanted to try it as was except for like the pork beef thing. I If you like spicy, I would add more spice. I... I think maybe just because I'm used – I would add more green chili if I did it again. But I think that's a personal preference. It actually – like it was mild enough for kids and all of that. Yeah, that's a total personal preference because I have been with you a lot and I've been like, is this spicy? And you're like, no, 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 it'll be fine. And my mouth's like on fire. And you're like, no, it happens a lot. (laughs) Like every actually – I can't literally breathe right now. You just told me this is a normal level. And I feel like I can't eat that spicy of food. So like the That's first what you say times- every time. I don't know why you're still shocked that you have a So I have palate. accepted now that you cannot eat the same level as me. Um, for like future reference, if Daniel tells you something's not spicy, do not believe him if you think I don't have a good judge. Because Daniel can eat the hottest food I've ever – no, I would I would cry. So um, – but yeah, personal preference, you can make it spicier if you are from New Mexico. All right. I guess anything anything else to add with that or no, that's it. You're good. Okay. I'm good. I'm good right. on the cheese. Well, um, you guys know that the recipes are all about community. So if you have one that you feel compelled to share with us that you want us to try and then share on air, please either email it to us or find us on our social channels at Natalie Kavork, at Tara Vanderdusen and DM us there, or you could do it on our Elevate page, which is Elevate Ag underscore. We've actually been getting a couple of recipes in, but they came in today, so we didn't have a chance to like go out and buy the ingredients and make them. So we will next week will be one from our community for sure. And then next Tuesday, we're kicking off um, what we're calling season two with brand new. Um, we have a really great interview with. Should I give it away or should I make people? Wait? I think you should give it away. I'm really excited about this interview. Okay, it's with um, Big Sky Caroline or Caroline Nelson, and we dive into, she is a first, I mean, she has an amazing story. She's actually from, definitely grew up in an urban setting, but now she ranches in a very small town in Montana, actually not far from where I grew up, so sometimes I wish I was (laughs) back there and could be her neighbor, but she's a first-generation rancher. She has an amazing story, and she started um, a very successful direct-to-consumer beef, so we're kicking off season two with... Miss Caroline Nelson. So tune in next Tuesday. It's going to be, um, it's a really great episode. It is such a good episode. She, every time we talk to her, I've learned something new about her story and I'm equally as like blown away every single time. So thank you so much for listening to today. And if you found anything valuable in today's episode, <laughs> um, please feel free to screenshot it and share it to your stories and then give us a tag. We really love seeing what you guys connect with. You know, we create this content based around what you guys want and enjoy. So the more you guys share that with us, the more we can tailor our content towards you guys. 